We are launching today the Heart for the House season. So Heart for the House, there's a need, there's a desire, there's a response and there's fruit. Heart for the House, there is a need. There is a, a desire and there is a response and I believe there's a fruit. And it starts with Jacob in the Bible and I wanna go on a journey with you today as I set this season up for all of us to lean into. All of this starts with an encounter with God. I had an encounter with God when I was 23 and it's literally changed my life forever. So Jacob is one of those guys. He's, he's, uh, his father is Isaac and Isaac's father is Abraham. So we have here an incredible picture of father Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And so Jacob, he has an encounter with God and I wanna read it to you. And it's, it's an encounter where he stops one night and the sun goes down and he decides to sleep. And in his sleep, he has a dream. And in this dream, he sees a ladder from earth to heaven. And he sees angels going up and down it, descending and ascending. And this dream is incredible. He sees the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven at the top of the ladder. And he basically has an encounter with God that literally changes him. And maybe I can pick it up a little bit. He sees the Lord standing above it saying, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather, Abraham, and the God of your father, Isaac. I will give the land in which you are lying on and to your descendants and your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west, the east, the north and the south. Through you, your descendants, every family on the earth will be blessed. Remember, I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will also bring you back to the land because I will not leave you until I do what I have promised. And Jacob woke up and he said, oh my goodness, this is an awesome place. This is the house of God. And Jacob had an encounter with God, but he, he connected the house of God and the presence of God together. And he used the stone he slept upon and he set it up as a memorial to say, this is the house of God. And he called it Bethel, which means the house of God. And he basically pours oil on it, dedicates it and just says, this is an awesome place because I have encountered God in a wonderful way. And not only does he encounter God, but he gets the promise of God that God's gonna take care of him. God's gonna clothe him. God's gonna feed him. God's gonna heal him. God's gonna restore him. God's gonna provide for him. So in the house of God, in the presence of God, what do you get when you're in His presence? What do you get when you're in His... See, what is happening here is that the encounter of God is that you see the house of God and the presence of God as the same thing. And it's tragic today that we've got maybe things that represent the house of God, but there's not an ounce of His presence in it. And we see in the New Testament where you and I become literally the carriers of God's presence. He doesn't want to dwell in a building, He wants to dwell in you and I. And so He has an encounter with God that changes Him and He basically declares that this is the house of God and the presence of God and the house of God are the same thing in, in this context. And then I want to take you on a journey because there's also a desire there's not just an encounter with God because there's a need. You know, the greatest need in our world is that people will encounter Jesus. Uh, what's the greatest need for your children? That, that they'll encounter Jesus. What's the greatest need for your life that you'll encounter Jesus? You have maybe have got needs in your life, but there is nothing more greater than the need to know who He is because He will tell you who you are. Your need for Jesus is your greatest need. Absolutely. Amen. And so we have a desire to build God's house and it's found in 2 Samuel chapter 7. 
And King David is now on the throne of Israel. And let me read it to you. It says this, while King David was living in his house, the Lord gave him peace with all his enemies around him. So the king said to the prophet Nathan, look, I am living in a house made of cedar while the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence, remains in a tent. Nathan told the king, do whatever's in your mind because the Lord is with you. Now, Nathan that night had a, an encounter with God and he's a prophet, so God spoke to him so he could speak to the, to the king. And this is what it was said, verse eight. It says, now this is what you will say to my servant David. This is what the Lord of armies says. I took you from the pasture where you followed sheep so that you could be a leader of my people Israel. I was with you whenever you went and I destroyed all your enemies in front of you. I will make your name famous like the names of the greatest people on earth. And then just a few more verses, it says, so I will give you peace with all your enemies. And this is what I love. I, the Lord, tell you that I will make a house for you. Verse 18, verse 16, the royal house, your royal house, will remain in my presence forever. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan told David all these words and everything that he had seen and heard. See, Jesus came through the lineage, came through the house of David. He came through that ancestry. And I need you to understand that this is something that I'm reading to you, but it's got a whole lot of depth. We've got all of the Old Testament, all of the New Testament to fully understand all of this. Look at the spirit of what God is doing here. So David, he's a man of war. He's having to conquer. He's having to fight off enemies. God blesses him. God gives him increase and there's peace in the kingdom and there's peace with his enemies. And what happens is he's living in a fine home. He's blessed with a nice home, amen. And he's like, hey, hang on a second. I'm in a nice place, but God's house isn't. God's living, His presence is living in a tent. It's not right that I'm in a nice home, but God isn't. And so he has a desire to say, you know, I wanna do something about building God a home. I wanna build God a house. I actually wanna build a temple to His name and to His glory because He's done great things for me and my household. And look what God does. He goes back to him through the prophet and says, hey, I love that David wants to build me a house, but I haven't asked him. Did I ask Moses to build me a house? Though he wanted to and I gave him instructions and he followed it. Did I ask the judges in Israel to build me a house? No, I didn't. I never wanted a house. I I wanted to not dwell in something. I wanted to dwell with my people. And God wanted His presence to be there right in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve walked in the cool and the shadow of the day and they experienced and they were surrounded by His presence. We, you were meant to flourish in the presence of God every single moment. The very essence of humanity is the presence of God of God and we lost it. Has someone ever had a great glow on their face and they lose it? You can lose something. And I just wanna encourage all the young people right now, God puts His anointing on you and He puts His glory on you, but you can't just flick that off and be irresponsible. Honour the glory that's on your life. God puts glory on you. He clothes you with glory. He clothes you with majesty and He puts an anointing on you. So take responsibility. Don't go to places that's gonna rob you of your anointing. Samson found himself in the wrong places and he was robbed of his strength. And I just don't talk that in a legalistic way. I'm not a legalist at all, but I'm telling you, honour the glory that's on your life. God puts something on you, clothes of righteousness and your responsibility is to honour what God's put on your life, amen? And I love God's response. You wanna build me a house? 
God says, I want to build your house. And I believe Hillsong Berlin, as we're going into this season, the heart for the house, that is the spirit of what we're doing right now, is that there's a desire amongst us to build God's house. And God's wanting to turn this around and say, you want to build me a house? I want to build your house. What does that mean to build your house? It's not just a, it's not a physical, just a tangible apartment in Berlin. You know, you could be more specific. God, that's nice. Could you build me a penthouse? <laughs> the rooftop is awesome, Lord. Well, according to your faith. But all I'm saying is, it's not just about a tangible house. It's also the generations. When you want to build God's house, guess what he says? I want to build your house. And he, God always speaks, not just in a tangible way, with physical buildings. He's talking about the generations. I want to build your household, your sons and your daughters, and your children's children. God is more interested in the generations than He is whether you're bricks and mortar. And don't get me wrong, bricks and mortar are a part of the story and the blessing of God. But I need you to know it, the inheritance is not just bricks and mortar because they can be taken, they can be shaken, they can be earthquake, they can be whatever, but you cannot take. Listen, God will not allow the enemy to steal the generations. He will not allow the sons and daughters and the grandchildren to be taken because He protects them. And this is what's going on here. So David, David's like, I want to build a house. And God says, hey, great. You want to build me a house? I haven't asked you to, but great that you've got a desire for it. Great that you don't want me living in a tent. He said, but I tell you, you tell him through the Nathan. He says, you tell that King David. He said, I want to build his house and his royal household will stand before me for eternity. I just want you to know when you're dealing with God, God is actually willing, wanting and desiring to build your house. Would you let Him build your house? Would you be big enough to make a decision today to get involved in the things of God for your life and for your future? You can make a decision today that will affect the generations. So for many of you in the room, maybe you are the first of your generation that you can think of. Maybe there's been a lapse. Maybe there's been a step back. Maybe there's been a a delay. I don't know. Maybe you really are the first, but I'm telling you, God wants to strengthen the first generation, to strengthen the second generation. And I'm telling you, the second generation is a different battle. Why? Because they grow up under the blessing of the first generation. They can take it for granted, get a little bit lazy, and it's a little bit like they can lose it for the next generation. But God wants the second generation to keep going strong so that they can build the third generation. And when you get into the third generation, my friend, listen to me. If you read the Scriptures correctly, God is, it's almost impossible to break what God does through the generations. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. God thinks three generations. And I just want you to know there's a fight for the first generation. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want to get it started. Well, he's already lost. I have started and I'm into it, well into it. I'm not giving up in Jesus' Name. You've started and you're not pulling back in Jesus' Name. The spirit of heart for the house is this. God wants to build your house. Would you let Him build your house? By actually building His house? I believe when your desire is to build His house, He cannot withhold Himself from stopping himself committing to building your house. And I believe as we go into this season together that you would allow yourself through God's wisdom, through His Word, through the bigness of our God to allow you to see further than you could ever imagine. God wants to talk to you about the power of what you're doing today and it will continue to work for the generations. David was an old man, First Chronicles 
And he made his son to be the king of Israel. And it's his son, Solomon, who actually got to build the temple. But this is what David did in his process. He gathered resources and he gathered so much to help his son do it. He gathered together all the leaders of Israel, the religious leaders and the Levites. And the Levites were 30 years, all the Levites that were 30 years or older, he counted. Their number were 38,000. 24,000 to watch over the work of the Lord's house and to oversee it. And there was 4,000 gatekeepers. Basically, that means 4,000 welcome home team. And 4,000 were praising the Lord with their musical instruments. 4,000 musicians, hallelujah. 4,000 musicians. 38,000 priests. 24,000 involved in building the house, 6,000 leaders, 4,000 welcome home team, 4,000 musicians. And listen to this, one family alone had 288 singers. That's what it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 25. And we can see that the singers and the musicians and the priests, and you can get a picture of the Old Testament, how glorious the house of God was. And the Bible says that even in the New Testament, it's even better, it's even bigger, it's even more glorious, amen? And let me bring you towards the, the kind of the part where this is the fruit, the fruit. There's the need and encounter with God. There's the desire to build His house. I believe there's the response, a willingness and an openness to make it happen. And I believe ultimately there's a fruit of building God's house. Found in 1 Chronicles 15 and 16, a man called Obadom, he was found in the choir. You read a few more verses, he was found playing the harp. You read a more, few, few more verses and he's a guard hosting the Ark of the Covenant. You read a few more verses and he's joined the team called the Giving Thanks and Praise Team. I mean, you could say this guy had a servant heart. I don't know about you, but he was everywhere. He was serving in the house of God from the morning to night and he was serving all the time. But the point I'm making is, is this guy, you find out so much about him and there's arguments whether he was a Jew or a Levite. He got brought into a Levite position which was very precious in the Jewish history and story. But there is other speculation that he was an outsider who got in. And it's consistent the way God treats humanity. All I know is this, if you keep reading, it says King David started to appoint welcome home team for the temple. And it says this, that the sons of Obadim became gatekeepers. His first son, his second son, he had eight sons. And it says that God richly blessed but Obadiah, and then Obadiah's son had sons also. And then it says this, all of the descendants of Obadiah, including their sons and grandsons, 62 of them were all capable men qualified in their work in serving in the house of God. So you have one guy serving and then generations later, you got 62 of his family in the house of God, praising God, worshiping God, welcoming others. Don't tell me what you're doing today can't affect tomorrow. Don't tell me the decisions you're making today do not impact the generations to come. Who you marry, the church you go to, the place of worship that you go to, the heart for His house 
literally can set up the generations. And I believe the generations, the grandparents, the grandchildren, your children, the people that come out of your life could literally stand and say, thank you that you didn't give up. Thank you that you kept praising God. Thank you that you believed. Thank you that you stayed in the house, stayed in the presence, stayed in His goodness, stayed in His wisdom. God is committed to your house and He will build it and He will strengthen the generations. And you can leave here today knowing if you will build His house, He will build your house. He will build the generations. He will protect the grandchildren and He will bring blessing on them. And I'm telling you, that's what our God does. Would you believe Him? Would you let Him do it for you? Would you reverse the curse? Would you bring back the blessing? Would you bring out all that God's got for you in Jesus' Name? 62 of Obadim's relatives were found faithfully serving in the house. You don't know what's going to come out of this house. You don't know what is going to come out of your life. But would you commit it to the God's house? Because it's when you put yourself in God's house, He commits Himself to the generations from your life. Don't underestimate your decision today. Don't underestimate the revelation of what this represents to you and the future generations. I'm telling you, it's worth fighting for. I'm telling you, it's worth leaning into. I'm telling you, there's a lot at stake. And I want you to know it's worth fighting for. Will you fight for the right things? Will you fight for the generations? Will you make us stand for the things of God? Will you shake off the apathy? Will you shake off the despondency? Will you shake off the self-consuming? And all that does, it shrinks. It does not enlarge. So as we go into this Heart for the House season, church, I can't ask you to to go into it more than to pray. Would you pray? Would you ask God? Would you seek His face? Would you ask Him to show you your part in this? Because I'm telling you, the generations will thank you for it.